When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast, kind of the Five Off the Floor podcast on the Five Reason Sports Network. Make sure to check out FiveReasonSports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V ReasonSports.com. For all of our podcasts and our companion content, of course, that includes a direct feed to our YouTube channel, all of our stories, our columns, our merchandise. We've got sales going on there. Everybody wants the Tua shirt. And I can tell you by the time that this posts, you probably still have time to get it by the draft. And if they do draft him, you're certainly going to want to have one of those. So check that out. And we've got about 11 heat shirts on the site. Not we have about, we have 11 heat shirts on the site. So definitely look at those. And like I said, we've got more free draft content than anybody else. I guarantee you that. Um, on our website. I want to tell you about one of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. As I've said, our sponsors are local. We don't just pull from Dubuque or something like that. We pull from South Florida. They're our audience, basically. They're our listeners. They're South Florida sports fans. One of them is Courtney Harris, and he brought to us Christopher's Bakery, and I'm waiting for my delivery to come because I just ordered uh, one of the vanilla wafer cakes this week. That is their signature item. Why is it called Christopher's Bakery? It is named after Courtney's brother who passed away from a seizure at just 11 years old. And so Christopher's Bakery has partnered with Miami Nicholas Children's Hospital and set up a fund where they donate a portion of the sales to, the, to epilepsy and neuroscience research since that's where they spent much of his life. But you want to know more about the vanilla wafer cakes? I just got the one with chocolate chips on it. Again, my daughter and I are going to definitely enjoy this. They've got plenty of cake options available for shipping. They typically hand deliver. We know obviously we're in the middle of a crisis, so they're not doing that right now, but they will be delivered to your door here in South Florida. Here's the biggest thing. We've created a unique page for five reasons. So go to Christopher's Bakery, C-H-R-I-S, T-O-P-H-E-R-S bakery.com backslash five reasons. Spell it out. F-I-V-E reasons. Then enter the code five reasons also spelled out and you will get 15% off your order. Every item in your order. So again, that's Christopher'sBakery.com backslash five reasons. And now today's episode. Welcome to five on the floor a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here. I've got Alfon Sydney. Happy birthday, Alf. I am... Uh, sure. We, uh, we missed you because you were on a variety of Zoom calls. How does one pass his birthday on a day that uh, you can't actually see another human being? I'm um, get drunk on Zoom. Basically. And then what happened? Your your dog ate a frog? 
My dog, yeah, that was I was walking my dog at three o'clock in the morning because I'd been drinking all day, so I neglected her. So I was like, I got to take her for a walk. Um, we get out there, and she decides to like b- like bite down on a frog, one of those big boffo toads, whatever they call them. And I basically kicked the dog, the not the dog, <laughs> the the toad quickly got it away from her, but she foamed a little bit. So I like wash her mouth out with water, rush her to the vet at three o'clock in the morning. Just it was a it was a rough night, but she's fine. Wow! All right, That's, yeah. Uh, so that was yeah. it was a it was a good way to end the birthday because because you certainly want to be at a vet during social distancing. Um, yeah, but I guess I guess dogs can't get it right. That's the deal. Dogs. Are no, but I, you know you're still around you're, people. Exactly. Good thing it was empty. I'm, it's the uh, vet isn't jumping at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Not the way you think it'd be. <laughs> all right, let's get to today's episode. Um, again, check out all the other episodes. I did one on Alfredo Arteaga. It's kind of a Dolphins Heat crossover, three yards per carry, five on the floor episode about whether the Dolphins will ever be the Heat in this town. I'm going to get Alf's opinion on this uh, before we finish up. But one thing we wanted, I wanted to get into was the, I've mentioned on previous pods that there's all of these um, – like contests and lists being made because people are bored. Right. So one of them that Alex and I talked about on a pod was, you know, this Wade versus Nowitzki thing, um, you know, and then it was, and then it's like Wade Nowitzki and Garnett, like who's the most, who, who had the best career and all these other contests and whatever. So one of the ones that just came up and that Alex and I talked about was the 06 heat versus the 09 Lakers. Somebody put that up and, of course, most people, because they're more Laker fans, sort of bandwagonish Laker fans out there, the Lakers won, you know, that on Twitter. But the other one was this piece that was written by Andy Bailey, whose work I'm familiar with. He, he does a good job. He does some interesting stuff. He does a lot of statistical stuff. He writes for Bleach Report. And he put up a list of the top 10 starting lineups uh, in, how, what was it, the last 20 years? Is that right? Yeah, how, last, how, the, basically since 2000. Okay, so basically this century, the last 20 years. So he put up the the top 10 starting lineups. And there was some team missing. (laughs) Glaring omission. uh, And we're going to go through this because I I know that Heat fans have kind of a, you know, persecution complex about this stuff. But I I think in a lot of ways, to be honest with you, it's earned. Um, Because I, I don't understand. And this is my basic point on this. The Miami Heat were the biggest team in the world, not just in basketball. They were the biggest team in the world, the team that affected the most social change, the team that ESPN sent four writers down to South Florida to create an index, okay, to follow them around, the teams whose training camp at a military base like attracted 3,000 people, the team whose media day was so big they had to hold it at the, at, at the Heck Center at UM, the team that had 25 different gates, okay, like, bump gate and cry gate and uh contraction gate and <laughs> chill gate and all these other gates right joel, joel anthony gate joel anthony warden gate <laughs> they had all these different gates right and they had and every day okay it was a circus right everybody was covering them and not only that but they affected social change they were out front on trayvon martin um the the that's that's that song the horse astronaut thing what, what i always forget the name name the uh, harlem shake the harlem shake right like all of a sudden there's a video up that's better produced than anybody else that that put one out anywhere they were the biggest thing in the world remember when a, the eagles remember the eagles uh, were going to be the miami heat of the nfl yeah they tried that for about a minute <laughs> 
and it right? sucked. And it sucked. Yeah. Okay, so, so they were the biggest thing in the world. And now all of a sudden, none of it happened. Um, and this has been a consistent pattern here where, you know, Bill Simmons, you know, did this, what was it, a series of podcasts uh, about, you know, great teams of this era and just left out that entire Heat era. Did he ever put it in? Because I don't, I don't remember it. Um, I just remember. No, I mean, he did a whole, wasn't it like a, a series of pods and he just never even brought them up. He never brought them up. Like they didn't exist. <laughs> like, like LeBron basically was in Cleveland and then he was in Cleveland. Um, and you know, <laughs> just four years missing, right? And the only championship that matters is the 2016 championship because poor, you know, middle class, working class Cleveland needed a championship so damn bad, and he delivered it. So the two he delivered with the Heat didn't mean anything. And if anybody brings up the Heat, they just bring up the 2011 finals or the Ray Allen shot. That's basically what gets brought up now. They're turning into Judy from Family Matters. I don't know if you get that reference. I don't. I, I, I they just basically. Them. They just wrote Judy. They just wrote Judy off of the show. <laughs> she never came back. <laughs> like she went upstairs one day and never came back, and no one ever talked about her again. So that's what they're doing. They're turning. They're turning. Uh, they're turning us into uh, us. I'm sorry, the Heat and the Judy from the Family Matters. All right, they're so big. we're Judy from Family Matters. I'm going to yeah. give you the, the, these are the best. That should be the name lines. of the episode, Judy from Family. Judy Matters. from Family Matters. Here's <laughs> here's the top ten starting lineups of the last twenty years according to Andy Bailey. All right. Number one, the 2017 through 19 Warriors. Number two, the 16 through 18 Warriors, which I don't even understand because those, those two overlap. So I don't get it. He's talking about the pre-Durant and post-Durant, but doesn't he mean – he might have mistyped this. Doesn't he mean 16, 17, and then 17 through 19, I guess, because it, it can't be both. Number three was the Celtics from 07 to 10. And this one just cracks me up, okay? The most because overrated, I, overrated team. team. They won one championship. I know they got to the finals twice. They won one championship, right? Okay? Yep. And Paul Pierce got carted off on a, on a wheelchair. Uh, and, and Kendrick Perkins, you know, suddenly is an authority on all things. They won one title. This, and I know it was in a – look, they had – it's a very good starting lineup, obviously. Okay, they have three future Hall of Famers, one of whom, by the way, played for the Heat not long after. Three future Hall of Famers. Rajon Rondo, who to me is not a Hall of Famer, but was, you know, was a very high-level player for them. And Kendrick Perkins, who sucks. Um, but that's basically number three. All right. Then they also had the war- – he has the Warriors from 14 to 16. So – He's I mean, got three Warriors in the top four. <laughs> the funny math that is, that is being used to keep the Heat out of the uh, out of this top ten is just hilarious. But yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, so then let's keep going. The Cavaliers from fifteen to seventeen. Now this one is offensive. Okay, to me, how is it possible that the Heat are not on this list? But the Cavs, who in my view didn't have as great a LeBron as the Heat did, at least during the middle two years. Okay, plus Kyrie, you can make an argument for Kyrie versus Wade, particularly the last, what, two years of Wade, right, during the Big Three era. Um, Kevin Love, who you cannot make an argument for over Chris Bosh. J.R. Smith, who, I'm sorry, you cannot make an argument for over uh, Mario Chalmers. I'm sorry, I'd rather have Mario Chalmers. And then who's their fifth piece? Tristan Thompson was their fifth starter, or Mozgov, one of those two? It would have to be, right? Okay, and, and so who are we comparing that to for the Heat Battier, right? I, I mean, if you're going to say they, that... But he listed, he listed Andy, uh, Andy Bailey listed Haslam as a starter. He was a starter for part of it. He was a starter for 
the 27 game winning streak. The, the starting lot, UD was a starter for that. He was, if you remember, the nine man rotation was pretty much set during that time, and Shane was coming off the bench. So Haslam was a starter for that. So, but you and Joel remember, Anthony was a starter at times. He's including 11, 12, and 12, 13. So the lineup changes. So that, this is what right. I don't understand. Lineup changes for other teams made them two separate teams, but lineup changes for the Heat basically just didn't even don't don't even go. Well, he's saying they don't even belong here. And, and let, let's well, go to he, these other ones. So so yeah. okay. So number six, he split the Lakers, the Shaq Lakers, into two thousand and two thousand one and two thousand one two thousand two. What is the difference there? Uh, let, let's. What did he have? Is, is it Glenn Rice? Is that the difference? He said he has a couple. He says a pair of Shaq and Kobe lineups. Okay, and that, well, I'm looking at. All right, I'm, I'm calling. It so he has Grant line. Fox, O'Neal Fisher, Bryant, and then and the he has Ori. So the difference is oh, <laughs> Ori and Grant is the difference. So it's not even Rice because Rice no. was okay. Which what what year was Rice? He has. I, let's I think, see. I think uh o two uh one o two. Okay, let let me look at it. He's got a pair of Shaq Kobe lineups. He has. He has Fisher, Kobe, Fox, Ori, and Shaquille. Again, Andy's a numbers guy, so he's doing this based on points per 100 possessions and net rating. Okay, and the second one you said Grant. That's Horace Grant, right? Okay, Horace yeah. Grant, Rick Fox. So basically Horace Grant versus Robert Ori. Was, am I missing? Oh, oh was Rice there 99-2000? That might have been it. Rice was there 99-2000. Wasn't that team better? I would think so, but I, if, if you, the the whole problem is you can't just go off of these numbers either. Right? That doesn't, I guess. I, I mean, if that's the basis, but he also had a fan vote in there, but and that's what I'm saying, right? So Grant and Ori make a difference where you would have to put the two different Lakers lineups on the on the list in in two separate spots, right? Mm-hmm. But Badier and Haslam don't make enough of a difference for the for the Heat to be two separate teams in this list. You understand how it, well, it makes well, sense? Well, but here's the other thing that's ludicrous about it. I don't want to pick on him, but, like, what's ludicrous about it, so the third best player for the Lakers, if you were to look at the six and seven, I, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's hard. J.R. Smith, I guess, was the fourth best player, or maybe Tristan was in those Cavs starting lineups. But literally, when you get past Shaq and Kobe, the third best player on those two teams, because you don't have Rice, was who? Derek Fisher? Fox, or Rick Fox, Ori, Rick Fox, I don't know. or I mean, Grant. Well, Chris Bosh is better than all of them. Of course. By a lot. Like, <laughs> all of them combined. So, like, what, what is that? Like, just because, again, is this because Dwayne wasn't Dwayne? That's the only thing I can think of. That Okay, so then you go, okay, number eight, the Spurs. And the Spurs team, they picked, they picked a three-year pattern on that. Now, this is the other thing. Now, was their starting lineup the whole time splitter, Duncan, Leonard Green and Parker. I don't feel like that was the lineup the entire time. It wasn't, but that's what I'm saying. There's no rhyme or reason to this. The, the, right. the, way, the way that he split up the years and the different seasons, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, I, I'm looking at. He says most games began with Parker, Green, Leonard, Duncan, and Splitter, and that is true. Most games did begin with them. I mean, Splitter was okay. Uh, he was not a bad defender. He didn't move his feet all that well. But obviously, look, Kawhi. As you were at that point, he kind of became, uh, you know, their co-best player. At some point, I think he overtook Parker as time went on. But, I mean, it's hard to argue with the Spurs. But, I, again, the Heat beat that team one of the two times, right? So, like, and I know they got slaughtered by him the second time, but they did beat them in 2012, 2013, which started that run. Now, the next one, 
is a starting lineup that I actually think should be higher, to be honest, which is the Pistons starting lineup from 03-04 to 05-06, which, I mean, this starting lineup was it doesn't have, like, an elite, elite, elite guy, but it had a bunch of A-minus players, right? Like, I mean, Billups, Hamilton, which was one of the two or three best backcourts of its time. Tayshawn Prince, who was a very, very solid player. And then the two Wallaces. Uh, I mean, as far as a construction of a starting lineup, like that one to me would be way up there. And then number 10, he throws that Laker team in, which we talked about earlier, but the 9 10 to 11, 12 Lakers team, which was Bynum, uh, Gasol, I'm not going to call him world peace, Artest, Kobe, <laughs> and Derek Fisher. A team um, that also won one. Oh, no, they won two titles, right? They won two titles. They won they two won titles. Two. They, they won back-to-back. But, okay, so, okay, Here's my argument on this. If you're just going based on the numbers, then I, I would have to look back and see what the Heat starting lineup combinations had. I am guessing that the starting lineup that had Haslam during the 27-game winning streak was pretty damn good when they were on the floor together. Right. Uh, they won 27 straight games. They won 66 games, and that starting lineup was intact. 25 of those 27 games, they had the same lineup. The, I remember this distinctly because... Dwayne missed two games, and Mike Miller, who was not part of the rotation during that whole time, was plugged in by Spo because Spo always reaches deep into the bench to pull out a guy, and they won those two games also. Dwayne was absolutely elite during those 27 games. He was terrific, but LeBron was otherworldly. It's the best LeBron has ever been, that 27-game winning streak. Look at LeBron's numbers during that streak, and they did not lose a game, okay? I don't understand... Just statistically, it doesn't make sense. But let's go beyond that, all right? If you're going to go past the stats and look at impact, you cannot – I mean, is this just disrespect to Mario Chalmers? Like, how how do you make a case that a starting lineup with LeBron, Dwayne, and Bosh, you can't have it both ways, Alf. You can't say that that team was going to win 70, you know, effing games every year and break basketball, and it was totally unfair, but it's not one of the 10 best starting lineups of the past 20 years because we're going to include three Warriors lineups, three Lakers lineups, okay, yes. and, uh, and, and, and a Celtics lineup that won one championship together. Well, okay, so if you're going to look at this thing as a totality, when you're looking at all these different teams, you, you would have to call it the 2010 to 2014 Miami Heat, right? To me, that's just what makes sense. And that team won two championships. So he's saying in his little breakdown, because he actually has the Heat at 12, um, and he's saying that they were just merely good in total plus minus and net rating. So that's what held them back. <laughs> like, so that's the whole thing. So it doesn't matter what era they, they played in, what teams they were up against. I mean, the, the, the Cavs teams that were blowing through the East after they left, after LeBron left the Heat, I'm sure their plus minus and net rating was great because the East was terrible. And mm-hmm. then the East was terrible a lot in the, in the, um, the early 2000s as well. So you're, so you're, you're putting all this, all this into the numbers, but it just doesn't, it doesn't, all, it doesn't take into account how important and how good and how big those teams were. He only mentions one title, and he, and he, and he also, he, the, the, the Heat team actually finished fifth in fan voting. Mm-hmm. So they were fifth in fan voting, and then he put all his 
arbitrary numbers in and pushed them all the way back to 12, which is what I'm saying. All these numbers, all, the way he split these teams up are completely arbitrary. And that's what, that's what, if you add numbers in, it pushes the heat out of the top 10. And it's like, it's, it's moving the goalposts. And you can't, and that's why as a heat fan, it feels purposeful, right? <laughs> it doesn't feel like, Oh, this was no. I just I just went strictly by the numbers, and this mm-hmm. is where the heat fell. It feels like you purposefully you purposefully uh, maneuvered these. Like I said, you moved the goalposts to the point that you could justify poorly having the heat outside the top ten. But he wouldn't be the first, and that's the larger point here. I don't want to. I, I I enjoy a lot of Andy's work, and I don't want to pick on Andy. This is a trend. This is the way things are done. There's this pushback where anybody who is a Heat fan must have been a bandwagoner, right? Yep. And then if, if anybody protests, it's like, no, they weren't as good as you think they were. And they literally changed basketball. I, I, okay, put the social impact stuff aside. Put the media crush aside. You can't, in my opinion, but put it aside. They literally changed the game. Positionless basketball, all right? Chris Bosh at the five, Shane Battier at the four. We can talk about Don Nelson doing some of this stuff and what the Warriors have done after and Mike D'Antoni, okay? There's been a few innovators. The Heat did it at the highest level. Don Nelson's teams with Golden State never got to a finals, all right? Uh, you know, D'Antoni's teams never got to a finals. They should have, but they didn't. And what the Warriors did afterwards borrowed a lot from what the Heat did. What the Heat did was revolutionary. What Spolster did was revolutionary. They basically figured out after going through Ilgauskas and McGlore and <laughs> Dampier and uh, uh, who am I, Ronnie Turioff and, and, okay, and Joel, although Joel was better suited for the modern game than those guys. Okay, after going through those guys, just decided, okay, we don't need any of that anymore. We're not going to do, okay, Dexter Pittman, you had your six minutes at Indiana, come to the bench. And they changed basketball. They literally changed it. Now, by necessity, yes, okay, they didn't have any other options at that point. But they changed it. They produced uh, one of the most compelling final series in history. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. They beat an Oklahoma City team. I I was half expecting Andy to put on there uh, the Oklahoma City team that lost to the Heat in five games because I mean they're they're in the top fifteen. That, right. Well, and that they don't even have Harden in there because Harden was not a starter. Right? Does he does he have he have him in as as a because he was not a starter on the finals team. Cephalosha was. He wasn't starting Harden that year. Harden was the sixth man if, of the year. I don't know if he put him as a starter. No, he couldn't have because Harden never started there. No, I mean, he, he started. Ha- he games, has Durant, he Westbrook, really Ibaka, Roberson, and Adams. Roberson and Adams. So he went. No, he he doesn't even have that uh, Thunder team. He has a 2014, 15, 15, 16 Thunder team. So right, because the finals team is was eleven, twelve, and the finals team had Cephalosha and Perkins. Not so he, uh, he yeah. actually he didn't. Even, that team isn't even in the top fifteen. Okay, all right. So I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to waste that much time on this specifically. To me, this is uh, another. 
in an endless stream of slights to write the heat out of the record books. And I, you know, I'm looking at this too. Somebody posted this today and I always have regret that I never did it. And then obviously life goes sideways and you just, you know, I don't even have my notes anymore, unfortunately. Um, but you know, nobody wrote the big three book and never got written. Right. I mean, I collected stuff for years. I had stuff in my head. I actually thought about putting out a book uh, just called tweet the heat. And it was just going to be a collection of the best tweets from the heater to kind of capture them in the social media age. They came a lot. I mean, they really, I mean, social Twitter basically launched in 08, 09, right? Like right before the big three, like LeBron's decision blew up Twitter that night. Like they coincided with the social media, Twitter in particular, real time tweet, every play of every game, every emotion revolution. The heat were that team. They're the team that should always be associated with that. Like they would not have been as big 20 years before, and because they didn't have it, and Twitter were not as been as big without them. And I always wanted to just write it in a social media way. Never did it. Nobody else ever did it. I think Dan thought about doing it. I know Rick Buecher was working on a book about the decision forever. I don't think it ever came out. And now we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of the decision. And I really want to do a bunch of episodes leading up to it, Alf, if we can. I, I think, you know, we got the 10-year anniversaries coming up in like three months. And mm -hmm. that, that just to give something away. Um, but I just saw a Warriors book just came out. Um, I think Ethan Strauss, who's excellent, wrote it about kind of the breakup of the Warriors dynasty. People were saying, well, nobody ever did one on the heat. So maybe that's our fault as writers that we didn't do it. But I, I feel like there's been more attention given to the Warriors when the heat, the, 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 the heat, in my view, were more overall impactful than the Warriors. Maybe not as great, maybe didn't sustain it as long, but I think made more of a social, cultural impact than the Warriors did. They, I mean, they absolutely did. And when you talk about Twitter, the reason I joined Twitter was to follow uh, guys like Wojnarowski and, um, you know, Buker, all these guys, Stephen A. Smith, all these guys trying to find out who was, you know, where all the free agents were going that summer. And that's, that's the reason I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter. And I think a lot of people, that's, I think that is when the transaction became bigger than the game that summer. And I think that's when... NBA Twitter really started because that was the fact that turned into the fastest way to get. In. Once you realize that your friends on Twitter were getting in today's day and age, I got to get onto social media so I can, so I can be up to date on this stuff. And that started with LeBron coming to the heat and it just lasted the entire time. I remember Ray Allen having dinner uh, with, with uh, what was it? Pat and Spo. And people, people sneaking pictures and sending it out on Twitter. When, when uh, LeBron left, how crazy Twitter was with all the rumors, Dan, trying to track Dan well, Gilbert's plane, and he's lying about Alf being the, in his backyard. Alf, the Ray Allen thing I remember well, because you probably know this, Dono and I went to the wrong restaurant. I mean, we found, <laughs> we, found, we found out from Twitter that we were at the wrong restaurant because George – had gotten wind that he was going to be at prime 112, right? And that's the natural assumption or prime Italian. So George and I, based on stuff we'd seen on Twitter, but also some additional spy reports, George is like, meet me down at prime Italian. So we sat out front, ordered some meatballs and waited for Ray for three hours. And while we're sitting there on Twitter, we knows, Oh no, he's eating downtown. <laughs> the heat. And some high school kid basically snapped a picture of him. And so we promoted it. But yeah, you're right. All of that stuff was on Twitter. Everything was immediate. I mean, even other stuff that I was present for the Pat Riley shut, you know, shut the, you know, the bleep up and manage your own damn team, um, mm -hmm. you know, was basically 
you know, right after the 27 game winning streak, we're in New Orleans and, you know, Danny Ainge had come out uh, criticizing LeBron because LeBron was complaining about some hard fouls from Kirk Heinrich and the loss to the Bulls. And there were only four of us that made the trip to New Orleans and we're outside the locker room. And Tim Donovan, uh, Heat's VP of Media Relations, comes out and looks at us and goes, I have a statement for Pat. Okay. This is for Daddy Age. Shut the fuck up and manage your own team. <laughs> and I was so, we all looked at him like, I think it was me, Ira, I'm not, probably Joe, and I'm not sure who the fourth was. Might have been, been Windhorst or Wallace. We looked at him like, really? And I was so flustered that the first thing I did was tweet it, and I tweeted, coach your own team instead of manage your own team. And we had to take it back. And then to show you how it was a social media age, when we walked, so then they let us in the locker room, and there's LeBron sprawled out on the floor with Mike Mancius working on him, which was typically what he did, small locker room, visiting locker room in New Orleans. He's scrolling through Twitter. We're standing behind him. We can see our faces pop up on his yeah. Twitter scroll, and he's smiling. Okay? That's what the big three era was about. Everything was immediate. Everything was out there. You know, it was like, it's just like Trump with Twitter now where he knows he's going to get a reaction. LeBron knew that too. And so this, uh, the, the larger point is the heat, the, everything about the NBA is now a social media, all right? The, the NBA tr kills the NFL in social media, just kills it, okay? That is where the NBA lives on video and social media and all the rest of it with its personalities, with the, the contests, with the polls, with the debates and all that stuff. That is what the, wherever the NBA lives. But the heat, that Heat team coincided with it. So if you're going to deny their greatness from a basketball perspective, which I think is ridiculous, okay, you cannot deny their overall impact. And I feel, and this is not about Andy Bailey. This is about Bill Simmons. This is about some of the others who, it's like they devoted their entire existence, the Stephen A's of the world and everybody else, the Colin Cowards, to the Miami Heat for four years. And it's like, oh, LeBron's gone. The Heat don't matter anymore. And not only that, the era doesn't matter. And the only championship that matters is 16 with the Cavs. And the only team that matters in the decade is the Warriors or if the Lakers are good again or wherever LeBron goes now. That's it. And, and some, of it, some of it is just, it's also, it's also clickbait. They know they know leaving the heat off this this uh this list was going to cause controversy, and it's just it's almost like they 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 to this day they want to poke that team and poke Heat fans, and then you wonder why Heat fans feel persecuted all the time and why they feel like nobody likes their team, and it's there's there's something to that. They know they know leaving that you know they putting the Cavs team and not putting the Heat team on that list, they know it's going to get a reaction. I mean, every reply to that tweet from Bleacher Report is either a Camby or somebody asking why did they leave out the big three Heat. I mean, you're, you're even non-Heat fans, every NBA fan is like, how did you leave out the big three Heat? There's even people saying, I hated that team, but there's no way you leave them off the top ten list. So part of it is just it's, a tro it's still continuing to troll Heat fans and the Heat as a team and an organization. I don't know, and I think we and we've had our our theories on why people don't like Miami and the Miami Heat. It has to do with the amount of brown people down here. Um, but there's, it, I don't, I, I don't know what else there could be. But there's just there's there's a there's like a blatant disrespect there for the for this organization. Well, look, the opposite of hate is indifference, right? Nobody was indifferent of that team. Nobody no. was indifferent. So, so this. I mean, let's get away from Andy Bailey because he's doing a statistical comparison. I don't agree with, but I'm talking about the larger narrative. All right. Well, I'm saying in the larger narrative, this well, it's a that, lot of clickbait. It's a well, lot. Of, it's a lot of clickbait it, a lot, and trolling. A lot, a lot of it is. A lot of it is. But I'm just saying in general, 
this, you, you cannot go from hating a team because they were so relevant, so revolutionary and so, and so good, but all of those things, right? So unfair. That's the word that was used all the time. Unfair. Okay. I mean, as if Durant going to the Warriors after 73 wins wasn't unfair. Okay. Unfair. I mean, look, LeBron and Bosch joined a team that went out in the first round of the playoffs and had one star. All right. And had to clear out the whole rest of the roster. But you went from saying they were unfair and everybody caring about every single thing they did to and uh, the hotels on the road, which I would see the fans lined up for them to then all of a sudden the era didn't even exist. All that mattered is what LeBron did with the Cavs. What? I, I just it, it, that that's the part of it. So we're getting beyond Andy Bailey. But to me, that's the larger issue. All right, we're going to talk about. So there's one other issue we want to get to. This week, before we do, a word from another of our sponsors. Actually, after reading all the stuff about the Heat, you're going to need this sponsor. All right, guys, before we get back to the show, I want to welcome everybody to our newest sponsor, Apollo Leaf. Okay, Apollo Leaf provides top-of-the-line premium CBD extracted and then formulated for maximum benefit. Apollo Leaf offers unique products like their sleep sprays and energy sprays which are especially useful for this current turbulent time, right? People ask me all the time, Alf, why CBD? Well, CBD benefits include anxiety reduction, increased focus, sleep assistance, pain relief, and more. Apollo Leaf is based out of Miami, so they're local, and they only source ingredients from top farms in the USA. Apollo Leaf uses broad-spectrum CBD that includes all the benefits of the cannabis plant, but removes all the THC. So go now to www.apolloleaf.com and use code HEAT at checkout for 25% off your first order. That's right, guys. The code HEAT, H-E-A-T, your favorite basketball team, and that's 25% off at apolloleaf.com, A-P-O-L-L-O, leaf.com. Now back to the episode. All right, let's get back to one other thing. There was one uh, topic I wanted to get to with you here quickly, Alf. Um, Kendrick Nunn came out. We were. I think at times a little hard on Kendrick this year and, and then had to pull ourselves back and be like, wow, he's really accomplished something. We took him for granted so quickly because he was so good so early mm-hmm. going from a guy who wasn't even a guarantee to make the roster to somebody who's starting and then averaging 16 points a game that I think we, we nitpicked him a lot, maybe more so than other players, maybe unfairly. Um, I think if you look at his numbers and Tyler Hero's numbers, we probably – inflated what Tyler did a little bit and probably downplayed what Kendrick did a little bit. I think to be fair, although I think both you and I tried to rein ourselves in with that and then present it when Kendrick would sort of hit a wall, but then scale the wall a little bit later and find his game a little bit. Um, But he came out and very openly said, I should have been, I should be rookie of the year, not John Moran. Um, And I, I think most NBA fans around the country reacted to that with kind of a smirk, because Morant was the number two overall pick in the draft. Um, the Grizzlies way exceeded expectations to be the eighth seed when, when, when everything stopped. They were over 500. And, uh, and Morant, you know, has the highlight plays, the dunks over people or the attempted dunks over people. And so if it wasn't going to be Zion this year, it was going to be Morant. What were your thoughts on it? And does, does Kendrick have a case? Because by the numbers, the numbers are not all that off. And the Heat were better than the Grizzlies this year. I mean, on its face... It felt ridiculous, even though, I, I mean, I think uh, Kendrick's in the top three, I mean, without a doubt, and he's probably number two. Um, so 
It shouldn't feel that ridiculous, but I felt like Job Moran had gone – was starting to just run away with it. But then when you look at the numbers, 17-7-3 versus 16-3-3, and John Morant shooting 49%, Kendrick shooting 45 They're both shooting the same from three, Kendrick on a higher volume, and uh, Kendrick's beating him in free throw percentage, 84-77. to And then when you look, Kendrick's on a, four, a starter on a four seed, John Morant's a starter on an eight seed. Now – how much do you, when it comes to rookie of the year, a lot of time winning isn't really a, a barometer because the, the, the best rookie normally ends up on a really, really, really bad team. Right. So normally the rookie of the year is on, on a team that doesn't make the playoffs. So I don't know how much you can put uh, winning into it because Kendrick is just surrounded by better players. But the fact that he's able to do this as maybe the third option would you call him a third option? I mean, I, I, some nights he was higher than that. I mean, some nights they were, they were, he was carrying them offensively. I, who is their first option? I mean, we say Jimmy, but there were some nights Jimmy took eight shots. Like, I, you know, Bam, all year we complained about him not being as aggressive as he should be. I mean, the most I, aggressive scorer in the starting is Duncan was Robinson. It's Kendrick Gunn. <laughs> or Duncan. I mean, or those, Duncan, the, yeah. the, the, those became their two scorers, and then Tyler and Goron, really. I mean, the Heat. Uh, there were some nights Goran was their most aggressive offensive player. Like, I, I don't think, I think unlike all the other, pretty much every team in the league, you could really make an argument on any given night that any of six guys might be the Heat's most aggressive offensive player. And a lot of nights, particularly early in the season, and especially after he got through that stretch, which coincided with the Achilles problem before the break. And then I, I you know, when, I was up in Chicago and he just looked different in the rising stars game. It looked like he was over it. And then he came out of the break playing great. He played terrific for those two weeks he, right out of the break. Yeah. He was playing really well and doing a really lot of, well. a lot more things than just scoring. He was doing the other things really well. But I think a lot of this is uh, one, one, I would give it to Morant. Okay. Just to be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of this is name recognition which Morant was a star, even if it was for one year in college. He was a known quantity coming into the draft. He was number two overall pick versus undrafted. Some of it is age. Uh, we've seen sometimes in the, in the rookie of the year voting that the, the, a nod will be given to the younger player. Um, that's kind of worked against Kendrick a lot this year because everybody's like, well, he's a rookie, but he's 24, right? Like, it's like when Chris Wenke was a rookie at 28. Like, he, yeah, he's, a, he's an older rookie. I, I think that hurts him. I think also what also hurts him is that I think if you ask most Heat fans who was the best rookie on the team this year, um, a lot of them would say hero, even though the numbers really I mean, don't say that. They would be wrong. I think we all agree, everybody on this podcast, that hero's upside is significantly higher. Um, and he, in part because he's f- still four years younger than Nunn is. He's 20 as opposed to 24. But I don't, I don't know that you could say he was better than Nunn this year. I mean, for the complaints we've had about Nunn's defense at times, Hero's defense, I mean, he, he played with effort and he was positioned correctly, but he was, you wouldn't call him a plus defender at this point. He had big moments late in games, but so did Kendrick, actually, when he got yep. those opportunities. I, not as many as Hero, but he had some. I, I, don't think, I, I don't think it's fair to dismiss it because he's 24, but I also think that the nod goes to Morant because he's doing it at his age. And let's be honest, the Grizzlies were a huge surprise. I mean, they were one of the two or three biggest surprises in the league. Like, Andre Iguodala didn't want to play for that team because that team was supposed to be so awful. And, you know, they, they, you know to be in an eight seed, I, the West is not what the West was, but to be an eight seed – in the West ahead of some teams that were supposed to be better mm-hmm. is impressive. 
when there's no vets on that team. I mean, it's him and Jaron Jackson Jr. And, I mean, I like their future a lot, uh, but they, they're kind of a couple years ahead of schedule, similarly to the Heat. But in the Heat, the heat you know, none has Butler. None, none has another all-star and out of bio. None has Goran Dragic. It's a little bit of a different deal. So I, I would give it to Morant for sure. But I, and that was my pick before the season was Morant. But I think the fact that we're even having this conversation reflects really well on Kendrick Nunn. And I have no problem with him expressing that opinion. I, you know, if, that, if he believes that, he should say it. Um, that's the way I want guys to be. Hero, we talk about his confidence all the time and his drip. Why can't Kendrick Nunn have some? Why, and Jimmy has it, right? We want Bam to have it. Right? That's another, one of the other things about it is that we just haven't heard a lot from Nunn. And, like, for this to be, like, his national uh, <laughs> headline-grabbing quote, the first one, I think that's what kind of jarred people as well. Maybe if people heard him talk more throughout the year and kind of got to know him a little bit better when it came out of nowhere. But I think a lot of, especially casual NBA fans, don't even know who Kendrick Nunn is. And he is going to be second. I think he's going to be second in Rookie of the Year voting. I think he'll be third. I think Zion will be second. But I think he'll be second because of the name recognition. All right. but well, he's going to be top three in rookie of the year he, voting. So he, he, he should be. I mean, he should definitely be ahead of R.J. Barrett. He should be ahead of Cam Reddish. He should be ahead of Brandon I mean, Clark. Every, Brad, yeah. Brad, Brad, well, Brandon Clark has a K. I mean, that's the other thing. Memphis struck it pretty rich there. I know our guy Nikias loved Brandon Clark. You can make a case for Brandon Clark too, but I, I do think he'll probably be third. You haven't heard from Kendrick for a couple of reasons, all right? One of which – and I've talked to Kendrick some, and I like Kendrick. Um, but I, we I, talked to him on Media Day. We talked to him Media Day, and we liked him there too. I thought he was, he was a little bit more open there than he's been in some other settings. You know, he had the situation in college. He doesn't like to talk about it. Um, I, I don't think anybody's talked to him about it since Shandell did, to be honest. Uh, so the Heat has really put him out there in a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations with people. I can tell you that I had a bunch of conversations with him. Um, he's very polished. He's very respectful of his teammates in particular. Uh, he doesn't say a whole lot, but, uh, but he's not a bad interview in, in any sense. And you can talk basketball with him. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, to me, he's, you know, again, we can talk about what the issues were, the issues weren't, but to me, he's, he's likable. And, uh, and I think he presents himself well, but he's not a, sh he's not a, you know, all, he's not a me, 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 me guy. That's not his personality. I can tell you that. I mean, hero exudes more of that. Um, Obviously, Jimmy exudes more of that, and there are other guys in the team who do, and he doesn't, but I, I think it's good. I, I, th I think we should hear more from Kendrick Nunn. I, I think we've kind of moved into this space where he was, like I said, this great story, and then it's, okay, he's the, he's the piece they can trade. Maybe not, you know? Maybe not. Now, I, I've, I've said on previous podcasts that the team values Duncan Robinson more. That's the guy that they'll ultimately take care of because uh, it's more of a unique skill set, and it's a player that they developed from the beginning, whereas Kendrick's somebody they poached. But it doesn't mean they don't like Kendrick Nunn, and it doesn't mean what he does has done has not been significant. So anyway, check out our website, fivereasonsports.com. Also, if you've got any legal issues, you can contact the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm at onecalllegal.com. Spell it out, O-N-E, calllegal.com. They still have someone there 24 hours a day, and all of their attorneys are working, even if they're not in the office right now. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.